O thou eternal one, O Lord, it doesn't take much for us to realize how limited we are, dear Father, and, and those of thy children have been giving light to recognize really what their situation is, O Lord. More and more we realize that we need to depend on thee, and also in this hour, depend on thee that thou wilt provide what is needed to everyone to strengthen our faith, our commitment, our joy in thee, dear Father, because Jesus Christ has brought life abundant, and this should be evident in each one of the lives of his children. We humbly ask in Jesus' name, amen. like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us has, were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if you be dead in Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. 
Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things thereof Whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How plain the Word of God speaks here about the experience of conversion and then living a victorious life. It is the grace of God that brought salvation, that gave us the opportunity to repent, that adopted us as children of God, and that empowers us to live a life pleasing to God. Jesus Christ is so much to us that we we cannot really fathom it or sufficiently acknowledge it. Now, some would carry this to the point or say that you cannot do nothing really right. Yes, of ourselves we cannot. It has to be the grace of God. And anybody that has gone through the experience of a true repentance must have come to the realization that of our own strength we were not able to do what's right. Oh, we were maybe successful for a while to do it, but then in a moment of weakness or not being aware, we find ourselves tripping again. And that's when the realization really hits that, you know, that of our own we cannot. And the Bible testifies to that. And if you have not come to that conclusion, try it. And that's why it's so necessary that everybody that wants to come to God must try. And the reaction first is once he recognizes what benefit there is to become a, a child of his, is to try and to try hard. 
But in doing so, you will experience that your strength is just not sufficient. And it's so necessary that we acknowledge that at that time and then throughout our lives. Because the word says, him that thinketh that he standeth, take heed lest he fall. If you think you have the power to deal with a temptation and get over it, or that you can allow yourself to be exposed to some temptation knowingly, deal with it, you are in trouble. It may not happen right away, but sooner or later you will find out. So, but when we can acknowledge that God gives the grace, God gives the strength, God deserves all the honor and the glory, whatever is done, then you will overcome. David had to pray even, forgive the secret things that I do not know. There are things that we perhaps even do we are not even aware of. And yet God in his mercy in Christ Jesus can forgive. Let alone that knowingly we would toy with sin or dwell in it. Now, giving due credit to God who does everything for his good pleasure but yet when we read this scripture, we find again words like, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Consider it, because the scripture says so, that if you have repented and believed in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you believe that you have been a partaker of his dead. Reckon it, remember it, consider it as such, settle it. But then also <clears throat> it says here, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. And here that's where, where our will comes in. It says let not. Your will that God created you with he never takes it away. He allows it. He respects it. Even if you sin against him, it's your decision. It's your will. And even in repentance and then living afterwards, that will has to be exercised. Exercised in subjecting it unto what we know the truth in the word of God tells us. That's subjecting our will to his will. But your choice is still your choice. Let not. Reckon yourself. Like us, reckon yourself. Let not sin therefore. Neither yield ye yourselves. No. You're not able to, with your own strength, to overcome sin. But you can yield yourself to it. That's your part. God gives grace that you don't have to yield to it. But then it says also, yield yourself unto God. It's an appropriate term, really. When it comes down to it, our part, it's the yielding one. Whether to do what's wrong or whether to do what's right. 
and rather do what's right by acknowledging that God gives the grace. On our own, we can do wrong. We don't need much help because we were born with a fallen nature. And as long as we are in this body, sin is going to be able to attack us. And we, if we yield to it, that's why it says the body has to be subject. It has to be subject. It has to be put under. Paul uses even the word mortify your body, your members. Mortify them. Consider them as dead, but be careful. Don't count on them be dead as to not be tempted. Yeah, you're, they're dead because they cannot do anything good, and they're going to remain dead if you subject it to the spirit, if you subject it to it. Neither yield ye your members as instrument of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from dead, and your members are instrument of righteousness unto God. Created unto good works, created to be witnesses, created to be proclaim reconciliation to your other people on this earth that you meet, to your neighbor, whoever, but with God's help only. That's why <clears throat> grace is, is so wonderful, but th there are two aspects to it. It was grace that taught me how to fear. And grace, this fear relieves. And it is the double cure. It does not only cleanse you, but empowers you also. What glory would it be to God if we would be just saved and then again return unto what we did before? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? Again, the yielding there. His servants, are to, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. God, we thank that ye were the servants. That's the past you were. And in other parts of the scripture it says, it should suffice us that in the past life we have wrought the will, our will, and the prince of this darkness. It should suffice us don't hanker after it. If somebody hankers after it, like the Israelites that they did too, wanted to go back to Egypt, it was awful. Settle it in your mind. Don't wait till temptation comes upon you and then struggle with it. If you settle it in your mind beforehand because of what the Word of God says, temptation will not take hold on you. But if you think you can toy with it, you can struggle with it, you're going to find out that you have not the strength because you already have abused what God has provided. It comes down, as it says, you know, we believe under salvation. But then also we walk by faith. Now, faith and belief are very general terms. Though. 
and people use them often, use them often. I believe this, I believe that. I think we should more specifically say we have the conviction and that carries a somewhat deeper connotation, a conviction that you hold very strongly, very strongly. A conviction doesn't change with circumstances because it suits you, no. You don't accommodate things. You have a conviction about it. Now, in the, in the chapter of faith, when it speaks, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is something, yes, you hope for. And people can hope for many things. And sometimes they are silly things. Sometimes they are things, you know, that to satisfy their lust. That's not what we speak here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The things that we hope for, and I would hope that everybody that has come is for eternity with Jesus Christ. Is for being true and faithful. Is for imparting that faith also to those that follow us especially those that already we know, that we cared for, because we know them. And that faith doesn't just, is about something that is out of the thin air. It becomes substance and is substance, substance if it is based on what the Holy Scripture says. That makes a big difference, a big difference. When you remember, or the Spirit reminds you, I way of remembrance, that the Word says this about it, then that faith has substance based on the unfailing Word of God. And if you, as it says, if you have found that God is faithful in whatever He says, that strengthens us, then our faith will not waver. It will not, just because we hear some nice words being spoken or argued, to persuade us otherwise, when it's, we have it settled that this is what the Word of God says. And that's why it's so important to draw near unto the Word of God. The truth, as it is said, the truth. Jesus Christ, when he was before Pilate, said, I came to bear witness of the truth. First to make men realize their condition and then the way out and the glory that should follow. Truth. Truth is so important because if what we do, if our house of faith, if we build it and it's not based on truth, it will not stand. It will not stand. And truth is not something that just you hear and, and have it in your mind and are able to repeat it, but it has to be lived. It has to be lived. 
Just this morning I read again about the wise man and the foolish man. And the big difference between those that said, Lord, Lord, and we did many marvelous things in our midst, and those that didn't realize some of the things that they did unto the Lord, the difference was in doing, in doing. And God has ordained it in that way that when we hear the truth, we will not really grasp it for our own benefit till we obey it. And when we obey it, that's when our faith grows stronger. Then, as time goes by, we can look back and see God is so faithful. And we see the value of the word. We see the value of truth. We appreciate the grace by which you are saved. And we avail ourselves of that grace to live a life pleasing to God. Maybe consider that, compare it to the chapter that was read, and for ourselves choose with the will that God gave us. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. Hymn 75, verses 2 and 
Our God is worthy that we would pray. O great and holy God, Heavenly Father, you dwell in the courts of praise in the heavens above. And with joy and thankful hearts we come before you in this afternoon hour, Lord, to bring thee thanks, praise, honor, and glory, for you are worthy of the same. For you have awakened us in this morning hour and brought us into this holy place of worship. You have placed in our hearts the will and the desire and prodded us. And we have answered that call and we thank you for this, Father. We thank you for giving us hearts that would understand and acknowledge that you are God, God alone. And Father, there are many that would seek to come up close to those who are of power on this earth. In our physical self, many times thinks and wonders of these things and possibly desires of these. But to come up beside and before the Father of all who, whom you have created, the God of all things whom you have created, this is an awesome thing. And we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sending your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, upon the face of this earth, who had a life full of struggles at best, a life where everybody hated him, everybody spoke against him. And so it puts things into perspective when we complain about certain things that we are struggling with or that we are going through here. For his short life that he lived on this earth and in the end, to die on a cross for our sins. Father, we thank you so much for this gift of salvation. This gift of salvation which has given us the opportunity to be called, to be called your children now. To be able to call you Father. To be able to call you Abba Father. How wonderful this is, dear Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray unto you that we would have the strength and the words that we have heard in this afternoon hour that we would be able to take them with us For there was a question that was asked in this reading today. For if we be dead to sin, how shall we live therein any longer? And it is a question that we who have been saved, we who who have put on the garment of salvation, who have taken the wonderful robe, the white robe with which we must have on that wedding day, when the end comes, Father, this is a question that must ring in our hearts and our minds daily. How shall we sin any longer if we are dead to sin? We pray unto you, Father, for the strength and for the, for the encouragement and for, for courage to move on, to put sin behind us all the time, never to let it enter into our hearts, never to let the devil put that wedge between us and you, but help us that we would love you and serve you from this day forth better than what we have in the past. But this requires faith, and for an increase of faith do we pray, Father, in this afternoon hour. Fill our hearts with faith, for we are so weak, and oftentimes we find ourselves failing, and our faith failing us. When the struggles and the temptations of life come upon us, Father, we find ourselves slipping, even as Peter, when he stepped into the water, was able to walk for a few steps. But as he looked around him, he saw the waves boisterous around him, he started to sink. Father, reach out thy hand, pull us in, and hold us tight. Don't let us fall into the depths of the waves of this terrible sea of sin that we find all around us. And Father, as much as we pray for ourselves and for, our, for 
we who are your children and for, for you to keep us in your, in your wonderful hand. We pray also, Father, for those who are without. Many who are with us in this afternoon hour and who are praying even now. Lord God, maybe their minds are somewhere else. And maybe during the service, their minds are somewhere else, thinking of what they're going to do tomorrow or just wishing for the service to end so they can get out of here. Father, we pray unto you for them. Soften their hearts. Put before them, before their eyes, the picture of eternity, of that last day when they shall stand before the great king, before the judge of all, and when they will have to give an answer, an account for their lives, which they lived here on earth. Father, this should, this should cause all of us to tremble, especially those who are outside of the fold, to realize they have much to do, that when you call, they should respond, that when you call, they would not say, come back tomorrow, because tomorrow might never come. So, Father, we pray unto you, and for this we ask for an increase of faith, that when we pray, and tr- that we would trust and believe that you will work through the prayer of the saints and through the work that your church does, Father, in your name. We pray that you would bring many more, that you would heal many more from sin and from eternal death. Father, be with us throughout this day. Strengthen us, lead us, and guide us. For many of us, Father, who are healthy also, we would like to bring up the prayer to, to, to name those in prayer who are struggling in sickness, Father. For oftentimes we, are healthy, we who are healthy forget about, about them when we are not around them or when we are healthy we don't think about it. So Father, we bring up to you our dear sister Sarah in prayer. And we ask of you, Father, that you would touch her as the great physician, the great king who has made all things. You have made us. You know each one of us individually. You know what causes us to hurt. You know what causes the sickness to come upon us. And for all of these things, Father, we just pray that you would strengthen her and grant her the encouragement and the, and the strength to carry on through this difficult disease that she is facing. And for the many others, Father, that are upon the four corners of this earth, your children, Father, we pray for them, wherever they are, who are sick, who are destitute, not only physically but spiritually. We lift them up in prayer to you, Father. Touch their hearts. Be with them even in this day. Comfort them, strengthen them, and bless them. Bless us all, Father, for we pray and ask for your holy presence for the remainder of this day and throughout the days of our lives in the name of your holy Son, our great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's obvious that <clears throat> this chapter is written to those that have repented and made a covenant with the Lord. And those that are not there yet, consider it. Ask the Lord to show you really the, your condition. The world, you can see what shape it is in. I ask your condition and how you stand in his presence. There is a hymn that comes to mind that really sort of sums up this chapter. And it's been speaking about Jesus Christ. 
be of sin a double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. Many are those that stop, say, they like it to be saved from the guilt. But let's not forget, he saves us also from its power. To him be honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.